Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Doug Laney, the Data and Analytics Strategy Innovation Fellow with the consultancy West Monroe. I'm also a professor of infonomics at the University of Illinois Geese College of Business. Today I'm joined by John Appleby, CEO of Avantra, and we're going to be talking about deriving value from investing in hyper automation and AI ops. Welcome, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Doug. Great. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe a little background on the uh, on the company itself. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm I'm the CEO here at Avantra, and I've um, I guess I've been in the enterprise tech industry since uh, since I graduated college about 25 years ago. So I know a little bit about enterprise software, a little bit about growing businesses and managing teams, and. And now with Avantra, a little bit about the AIOps business. And I guess the, the real 30-second thing on Avantra is we we help businesses, specifically businesses that run SAP. They, we help them run better than they've ever run before. We allow people to free up the freedom of time um, when they implement our software because they will be able to automate all kinds of manual processes that you would think would be automated in this day and age, but in the SAP ecosystem are not. Great, great. I know you focus on AI ops. What is, what is so we, we're all pretty familiar with what AI is, uh, but what is the ops part of, of AI? And you know, how do you see this as an enabler? And you know, how does poor or, or mediocre ops hinder a company's ability to innovate? And how, how do you solve that? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for those of us that have been in the IT industry a long, a long while, it, it, it's easy to understand conceptually, but, you know, which is we, we used to buy systems and we used to put them in a, in a cupboard in an office and we used to install them and manage them and we would have CDs and all of this kind of stuff. And, um, and, and so if we abstract that to our, our daily world today, that, none of that really exists and that's all managed by a hyperscaler. And, and they do the operations component of that, which is the feeding and the watering of those IT assets. Um, and exactly the same thing exists for enterprise software, which runs on, on IT infrastructure. And um, there, are, there are roles, um, like the, the role of, of chief power officer that used to exist 100 years ago, uh, there, there are roles for people in enterprise software organizations where their job is to keep the lights on and keep these systems uh, running and operating, performing well, and ensure that businesses can uh, do all kinds of things. You, you know, in, in an SAP context, it might be you know accounts payable, accounts receivable. It might be running a supply chain. It might be running a, a warehouse or a point of sale. Or you know the the list goes on, and those those processes have to run to come upstream again for you to buy an app on an app store, or for a car to roll off a manufacturing line. So w- without operations, forgetting about AI, without operations, none of that stuff happens. And by the way, when that stuff doesn't happen the way you plan it, when you know you fail to buy an app on the app store, a credit card payment fails or uh, a point of sale system goes down, that's an operations failure. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Okay. So you mentioned uh, the concept of a hyperscaler. Is this a, a role that you're sort of re- replacing or uh, uh, you know, making obsolete? 
No, I mean, absolutely not. The, the, the hyperscaler point was, was an analogous point. I was creating the analogy of, of IT infrastructure versus enterprise software. And, you know, the, the brilliant thing that the, the hyperscalers did in the last 10 years is, is they automated and created a software defined layers for, for things that were, were previously done manually. Uh, and so we do the analogous thing for the enterprise software that runs on those hyperscale platforms. We don't compete with them. Okay. All right. Great. So, um, how, how do you see a, a tangible return on investment from AI ops? And maybe maybe some more examples of the, the kinds of functions that are um, enabled or improved by AI ops. Yeah, and, and I think there are different organizations value different things here. So, I I, I think the the first question is, um, you know, do you value reliability of operations? And so, you know, one of the things that AIOps does, there are probably three main things that it does for a business. But the, the, the first thing it does is it, it turns these manual things that are done occasionally into automated things that are done all the time. So, and you could think of that um, like in a building, and I can do an IT example, you know, is the front door locked? Well, you might check that before you go to bed at night. Um, with AIOps, you know, you, you, it will, you'll know immediately if the front door isn't locked. And by the way, you can correlate that against some other things as well. And, and so in our IT context, that's, that's about, you know, do we have a set of things uh, that are occurring which are liable to cause an outage? And um, with AIOps, we can do that much better than humans can ever can ever do because there are, humans have limited bandwidth to to check things. So that's that's the first piece. Um, the second piece then is what can we do with these with these people that, that are redeployed? Because people talk about AI and they talk about the issue of jobs in, in our in our that's a broader issue in the market, but in in our specific area in the SAP uh, operations market. There are so few people in the market that these resources are so valuable that redeploying them to create new business models, uh, the next thing that the business needs to do is much more important uh, if you can automate that stuff to keep the lights on. So we're, we're helping organizations redeploy human capital so that they can do create new business models or whatever it is that their business needs. Yeah, and that in itself is an additional source of uh, not just ancillary value, but something significant to organizations. Yeah, and by the way, if they get it right, they can create a, a virtuous circle there. And then the third piece, which relates, is you know governance, risk, compliance, security. That piece, um, because when a computer does something, uh, we can ensure that it's audited, documented, logged. You can go back and check on it. There can be no, there can be no confusion on what was done, and that it was, it, and it's always done the right way every time. So those are kind of the three things. Great. How can Avanture ingest um, you know, compliance or, or regulations that are relevant to a, a particular uh, implementation? Yeah, I mean, so those those tend to be very customer specific, mm-hmm. and what our customers do is they create a set of, uh, it might be socks, for example, they, they create a set of socks rules, mm-hmm. which look in the environment for problems that are specific that they're looking for, according to the auditors. And then they report out on those and they can report out on those in, in, in basically two ways. One is on an exception basis. So something changed that shouldn't have been changed. And so you can, you can then 
put that into workflows and into incident management. And the second piece then, of course, is, is, is recording, logging, and audit reports. And so with our software, you can then um, have that report generated automatically for the auditors so when they come along, um, they can see issues that happen during that time frame. Great. And you're, you're able to, um, to kind of measure these benefits for organizations, not just provide them, right? Yeah, there's a few things. And if we think about, you know, there's things that we talked about, what our, what our customers tell us, and we, we don't send this as, sell this as a brand promise because it's outside of our control. But what they tell us is that they just don't get downtime. And, and we see, we see that correlated in, you know, ticket volumes, for example. Uh, one customer we saw about a 95% reduction in, uh, priority one, two incidents. And the ones that do exist then, of course, are not false positives. You know that when you, when something does happen that you do need to, you do need to go and deal, deal with it because what AIOps does is it, it, it can't solve um, every problem that's out con- out of control of the platform, right? You know, in many cases, it might be, it, it could be a power issue, <laughs> or it could be that somebody has broken a cable or drilled into a cable underground, and these failures are sometimes outside the control of the environment. Uh, and then the third point, of course, is you know you, you can measure the capital reduction, and uh, you know typically we see about a thirty to forty percent reduction in in work done by the teams. So they can redeploy thirty percent of um, of the effort into new business uh, operations. That's really significant. That's not just a couple percentage points. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the, and the problem is that that SAP customers spend between sixty and seventy percent of uh, their IT operating budget keeping the lights on. Aventure talks about this concept of hyper automation. Uh, how, how do you position that? Can Can you tell us a little bit about that concept and how that fits into all of this? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and to be clear, you know, our goal is is not to be hyper automating, if that is even a word. Mm. Uh, our goal is to enable hyper automation, um, because the in our view, the single biggest barrier uh, to hyper automation is business as usual. Uh, and and you know, when you look in an SAP IT context, I was just joking with a customer this week, and who was implementing our software, and he was too busy to meet with me to discuss something. And I said, well, we, we can do this over email, but I've got good news because in a couple of weeks, you're going to have time to meet. With me. And so the, the point being is then that once you've got freedom of mind, you can then think about the business processes that you should actually be hyper automating. And you can, you can think about the sorts of programs of work that you can put in place to actually generate a business which um, which is doing better than just having simple business processes that are that are connected, but instead which happen end to end, you know, without any interaction from a from a human that isn't necessary. So you're you're um, you're doing this specific to the uh, SAP environment. So it might be interesting to hear your perspective on the future of SAP landscapes and uh, you know how you might be supporting them uh, going forward. I mean, if we go back to 1991, an SAP landscape was, was one system called R3. And, and R3 was finance and controlling. It then, it then moved into things like material master. But that was all within one module. And then uh, as we grew through the 90s and into the 2000s, those modules proliferated. And you had your ERP system, which include, included those modules. But you had then your CRM you had your extended warehouse management, you had your procurement system, SRM, and you had a bunch of three-letter acronyms that, were, that proliferated. 
Then as we moved into, into the last decade, so that was the first two decades of, of, of SAP's R3 journey, what then happened was SAP started, they went on a buying spree and they started buying companies. So you also then had your business objects, you had your Sybase, you had your Ariba, and then we're moving into the cloud world now. You had your success factors. And then you had what was called uh, HANA Cloud Platform and is now called Business Technology Platform, BTP, which is their, their pass offering where you build extension apps. And now they have Rise with SAP, um, which is their um, hyperscaler offering. And um, you'd think what might happen um, if these were houses is, you know, you might buy a bigger house each time, but that's not what happens. You end up with this these trail of older systems along the way and a massive increase in complexity, which is where we are today. Um, and, you know, instead of having one SAP system, we have customers with over 2,000 SAP systems, um, which is, is, is mind-boggling. That's, that's one enterprise. <laughs> yeah, over 2,000. That's a bigger one, but it's not, it's not the biggest in the world either. Um, there are bigger. And so what's going to happen tomorrow is, is hybrid. So uh, we're moving into a world, uh, into a sort of a post-SAP rise world where you've got things which are pure play SaaS. There are things which rise as essentially, essentially infrastructure as a service. You've got platform as a service. You've got stuff which runs on a hyperscaler. Then you've got stuff which runs in, in, in VMware or some other local environment. And then you've got bare metal and, and mainframe. And customers are going to have a little bit of all of these. And, and the challenge then is maintaining, you know, with a single pane of glass, your business processes which transcend those systems. Maybe I can give you a simple example because I, I was I worked for a company and uh, I've told this story before. I'll tell it again. I was trying to get some simple, like a dental thing or something, simple thing done, and I couldn't I couldn't book an appointment because they couldn't reconcile my details. And at some point in time, somebody had entered my um, date of birth the wrong way around. It's because I'm English and I moved to America, mm-hmm. so it was put in as as the opposite month and day. Yeah, I've got a single digit one of each. And they couldn't get it to work. And we tracked it down that there was an integration between Core ERP, which held the um, employee master data record, and the SaaS um, success factor system, which, which is their, their human capital management program. And then the Aetna or whoever it was, the healthcare company, uh, synchronized with success factors. But some months before, the connection between SAP ERP and success factors had broken. And they had no idea that interface had been down for, for, for several months because the interface was only used for delta changes when a change was made. Mm-hmm. There was a different interface that was used for new records. So when they onboarded a new employee, that worked. It was only when an employee made a change to, their, to a master data record and that had broken months before. They had no idea. So th- this is a, well, you know, what you describe is really a form of, of technical debt, right? And uh, technical debt is certainly a big, big topic, um, certainly in light of certain, um, let's just say, airline-related issues the, the, the last month or so. I'm wondering whether, um, you know, Avantra kind of attacks technical debt in an SAP environment and, and how so. Yeah, we, we definitely do to a degree. And, and I'll preface that by saying there, there are multiple types 
of technical debt. And uh, uh, probably the two main ones in, in an SAP context are infrastructure related, sort of platform related technical debt. Uh, and that's the piece we help solve. There is, there is also code and process technical debt, where, for instance, you hired a consultancy to implement a specific, tra- let me give you a like, travel expense module, and they wrote a ton of custom code for that. And there was actually a standard function that did that. And so you'd have to then back out that code and, and what they call revert to standard. That's not the problem we solve. The problem we solve is around the platform technical debt. And it, it's one of the, uh, some people think it's a nice surprise. Some people think it's a nasty surprise of what happens when you implement a voucher is it's going to tell you all of the sins of the past. And, you know, you might have 10, 20, 30 years of things that you've done wrong in your environment. And guess what? They're causing slowdowns. They're causing stability issues. And so the first thing, one of the first things that you do when you put our platform is it'll give you a list of things that are wrong. It'll light up like a Christmas tree. Mm. And people groan because they realize they now need to actually go and solve these problems. Um, but wow. yeah, we absolutely, we in, a, in most cases, the most important thing is we highlight the problems yeah. so they can be solved. How are those problems prioritized? Well, we, we prioritize them because we, we know, and, and it's often simple rules, by the way, we know the impact that a particular problem will cause. So we prioritize them within the Avantra system. But obviously, customers can then reprioritize them if they disagree or if they've got things. So they can, they can ignore things or they can, they can make them more critical if that's, if that's what matters to them. But yeah, we prioritize them out of the box. All right. Well, as we start to kind of wrap up, I'm wondering what you know, final thoughts you have and you know, what should companies be thinking about or, or doing now? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing, you know, when I talk to IT execs, they often don't realize that this problem exists. And so um, they imagine that, you know, if you, if you think about the priorities of a typical CIO, CTO, when it comes to SAP, uh, they're mostly either worried about modernization, this is 2027 deadline to get onto S4 uh, or SAP Rise or whatever it might be. So you've got mod- platform modernization and or they're interested around, you know, new business processes and it might be new SAP modules, new projects. You know, it might be one example of one customer working with, you know, they're looking at introducing another interim layer of warehousing so that they can move stock more quickly around the business by having regional depots as well as um, as well as end depots, something that Amazon obviously is very good at doing. Um, so, so those are the sort of two buckets of things they're thinking about. And um, what they don't realize is that all of these problems that have created along the last 20, 30 years are getting in the way of those doing them effectively. Because what happens is you you say, right, now I'm going to move to S4. And then immediately the project comes to a halt because you found a problem that you could have already known about and resolved during the design process. And instead, it delays your project. And you've got a burn rate, by the way. In some cases, I've heard of project burn rates of being a million dollars a day in SAP. Um, so you could have somewhere between you know, 10, 100,000 or a million dollars a day of burn uh, from not having sold these things up front. And I think people just, they're not just thinking about that. They don't, they don't know about it. Well, thanks so much for sh- uh, sharing all this with us today and, and joining us. Really appreciate you com- coming on, John. Also, thank you to everyone listening. We hope uh, you took a lot away from today's podcast. Uh, and for further information on what we've talked about, 
please you know head over to the Avantro website. Um, John, you want to give that that website? Yeah, uh, Avantro.com, A-V-A-N-T-R-A.com. Great, great. All right, so we'll be back next week with another episode in the podcast series. Until then, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms and follow the conversation on our social channels uh, at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head over to EM360Tech.com.